This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to another edition of the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Tim Beds in a second. Let me lead the show off with my top three, which I do, well, occasionally, semi-regularly, once in a while. Today, it's my top three weird things about the NHL awards, uh, which were given out a a few days ago. Number one, Carlson got the Norris as best defenseman, and he was minus 26. Number two, Olmark got the Vezina as best goalie, and I bet he don't start for the Bruins next year. I bet Boston goes with Swayman instead. Number three, McDavid got every first place vote but one for MVP. And some are acting outraged like he lost it. All he was, it was unanimous. He got the MVP. Still no sign of a Stanley Cup, though. So uh, I'm joined now by Tim Benz. Tim, Seth Rorabov, the trip. Voted Pasternak first on his MVP ballot, and McDavid fifth. Fifth is a bit low, but it's his vote, and I love the outrage from Canada because an English-speaking Canadian got screwed. If it would have been Mario, like it was in 1989, nobody would have said a word. And anyway, how screwed do you get if you still got MVP? Do you think that all the Canadian wildfire smoke that's enveloping Pittsburgh today is a return assault on the city because of Seth Rorba? Well, I know that's is I, my theory. I know I can't breathe like I'd like to, so maybe they're just trying to <laughs> to kill me. But but like I said, where was the outrage in 1989 when Mario Lemieux had 31 more points than Gretzky, and they were all goals? Mario had 199 points, a career high. And by the way, if that had been Gretzky, they'd have gone through the videotape and found an assist to get him to point number 200. And despite all that, despite Mario badly outperforming. Gretzky, Mario setting a career high with 85 goals. Gretzky got MVP. It was the biggest cheat job ever in awards voting. And to the point that was made, I believe, on your Twitter feed, somebody, I think, tweeted you saying, well, thanks a lot to Seth. Now there's an asterisk on Connor McDavid's season. No, no, there's not. That's not how an asterisk works. Is that how a Canadian asterisk works? What do you mean, asterisk? He still won the award. There's no asterisk. He just didn't get every vote. That's not what that means. That's not the function of an asterisk. Okay, so that's they completely are missing the point. And like you're talking about, the level of outrage to not be unanimous. I think we went through this with, was it Jeter when he got in the Hall of Fame? You know, as usual, kind of like McDavid is English-speaking Canadian, Western Canadian hockey player from uh Ottawa or, Ottawa or Ontario, somewhere in Ontario. Uh, Gretzky, Brentford, Ontario. Okay, there you go. No, so, so about uh, McDavid. Oh, McDavid, uh, same difference, in Ontario. Yeah. 
So the bastion of the hockey world, it's like when a Yankee doesn't get in unanimously, we have to have all this faux outrage, right? And I think it's very similar to every now and then when somebody doesn't vote for somebody on an agenda in a Hall of Fame election. I don't know what Seth was thinking when he had McDavid fifth. I never would have had him fifth. I would have had him first. But if you're not going to have people vote with their own minds, then just do it based on stats and hand hand out everything like it's the Art Ross. If we're going to lecture people because they conscientiously vote their mind, then we have American politics. As I said on Twitter last night, Canada is the most inclusive, open-minded, welcoming country in the world until a Russian doesn't pull up, put on a jersey, until a Toronto Blue Jays says something that's unpopular, until an American hockey voter votes away they don't want. Then they're not too inclusive and open-minded, are they? Then it's you think like me, you talk like me, you say like me, or we're coming to get you. McDavid uh, from Richmond Hill, Ontario. Ontario. Of course he he is. Sounds like a convenience store. (laughs) We got two-for-one Slurpees at Richmond Hill. Um, Now, now Pasternak, he had 61 goals and 113 points for the best team in hockey. I can't say voting for him for MVP is outrageous. It's the McDavid being fifth that you can question. But my big feedback in the whole controversy is, who cares? Really, who cares? That's why I hate awards you vote on in the first place. Well, was it you that was talking to Josh Yoey yesterday when you were discussing the Dave Molinari vote on Yarmir Yager? Right, right. I, I forget what year it was, but Chris Pronger won MVP one year, and Dave Molinari's vote for Pronger made the difference. Dave, of course, having covered the Penguins for three or four decades. And uh, Yager wasn't mad. He just said, okay, he voted. I mean, that was his vote. He He didn't get upset. Or another one that happened around here, Jason White getting the Heisman Trophy instead of Larry Fitzgerald, and Ron Cook voted for Jason White instead of Larry Fitzgerald. Do you remember that one? I don't. That's that's college football, right? Yes. I know it's college football, Tim. I I, I like Larry Fitz, but again... But it's the same sort of thing, like, as far as a local person, and Seth's not even local to Edmonton, obviously, but more like Molinari to Yager... The difference between those situations, what happened with McDavid here, is the Yager vote, the Fitzgerald vote. Those guys didn't win the award. McDavid still won the award. It was just a matter of it not being unanimous, and him winning a unanimous MVP versus him just winning an MVP is a footnote. It's a it's a dot, dot, dot. It's an afterthought. Well, right. McDavid won the award. Fitzgerald didn't. Yager didn't. Mario Lemieux didn't in 1989. And if you look, uh, you know, Sid has, what, three MVPs or is it two? Sid only has two. Mario had three. And that way undervalues their careers, which, again, shows the flaw in uh, voting by human beings as opposed to just looking at the stats. You think their careers are undervalued by that? I, I think in just the vacuum of those MVPs. I think people know what they did. But I think most people would look at Lemieux getting three and Crosby getting two and and wonder why it wasn't more without questioning how they played. I think there are very few people after Gretzky on that Hart Trophy list where it would matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, I think everybody else is just viewed as not having as many as Gretzky. Yeah, but Gretzky shouldn't have got that one in, in 89. That was oh, a for farce. Sure. With, the, with the logic I got told being, well, he went to L.A. and really grew the game there. Uh, that snub, that really got Mario mad. I mean, he doesn't normally get mad mad. That got him upset, and he never trusted awards after that. Very famous quote from him on my show, Tim. 
I learned to judge myself by Stanley Cups and scoring titles because nobody votes on those. The growing the game thing shouldn't come into MVP voting. I mean, in fact, that's... Well, no, but the point is they just wanted to give Gretzky the award and not the French guy. And make no mistake, for as woke as Canada is, not the French guy. And that still applies. Again, to my theory about Canada. Very inclusive, very open-minded until it's something that's not like us. Well, here's my theory about Canada. You it's... should be open-minded. Everybody else should be my open-minded. My theory about Canada is that it sucks. I mean, if you're, if you're like Quebec East, like Nova Scotia, you know, Newfoundland... Western Canada and Ontario don't really consider you Canada. Yeah, there's uh, a Mason-Dixon line. It just goes east-west instead of north-south, like there was here in the States for a long time. Same to do with Sid. Sid's from Nova Scotia. So you think he's undervalued compared to McDavid by most of the Canadian media, or is that just a matter of where their careers intersected? I don't hear people saying yet that McDavid's better than Crosby, that McDavid's had a better career than Sid because of the three cups to none. I think we'll hear that if McDavid ever wins. If he ever wins, Tim, and that begs my next question. Well, and, need... and Sid won Canada's gold, too, in Vancouver. With so the game-winning goal. There you go. Right. That's but then again, I don't, I don't, I mean, I give Sid credit for scoring that goal. Okay, the golden goal in, what was it, 2010, 2010, right? But you know how you win a gold medal for Canada? Make the team. That's like Carey Price is so overrated as a goalie because he happens to be the goalie when they win the Olympics. But Canada is a heavy, heavy favorite in every hockey Olympics ever since the uh, Soviet bloc politically collapsed because that kept uh, government funding from training for being perpetuated. And back then the Soviets played different. Now they just play like we do. Do they also pluck, like, Czech players who were really good and kind of... Back when? Yeah. No. Yeah, you're close enough to No, the, no, no? They, they didn't. No, they, but they had, like, Lithuanians and... Uh, and um, Estonians and... Yeah, and what's Casper? Casper's Lithuanian. Lithuanian, yeah. Lithuanian, right. So, so, but that was the Soviet Union, you know, uh, CCCP, as it were. But does McDavid need to get out of Edmonton? I think he does, if he wants to win. They're not going to be able, in my opinion, to reshape the team into one that's more Stanley Cup playoff geared. What they need to do is dump dry sidle and get a whole bunch of working parts to fit in with that cap space. Vegas guys. But they're just not willing to do that. It would be like if Sid and Gino didn't work together. After a while in Pittsburgh. Like, if they didn't win in 2009. Like now. Yeah, right. If they didn't win in 2009, I mean, I think you've talked about it on a number of times. What did you, what did you say they, they should have got rid of Gito 2018? 2018 or 19. Should have traded him, could have got a whole lot back. I wonder if maybe the contract cycle. Well, and don't forget, the reason why it don't work now. Like, if you had Gino and Sid in their primes right now, it still might not work now. Why? Because they've had a flat cap since the pandemic, and it is stretching the talent paper thin throughout the league. Here's an interesting what if. Here's an interesting butterfly effect kind of scenario question. If they hadn't have won in 09, okay, let's say Detroit wins game seven, would they still be playing together now, the two of them, or would they have broken it up before I don't know. Then? It's a good question. I think they would have. I think they would have traded Malkin somewhere. I don't think it would have been Sid, but I think they would have moved on from Malkin somewhere. I don't know which contract cycle it would have come through. Whenever he re-upped again, I wonder if they would have traded him before that. Why isn't McDavid a crossover star? Was nobody, Sid ever? No, nobody knows who he is. Was he, Sid ever? Sid would lead Sports Center once in a while. In Canada, Sid has a lot more endorsements than McDavid does. Oh, I think that's a personality thing in Canada. Well, I think the reason McDavid's not a crossover star is because, you said it, personality. 
crisis. We got it while it was hot. New York Dolls reference there, Kim. <laughs> uh, he's a sourpuss. He doesn't like dealing with the media. He doesn't want to do any of this stuff, it seems like. Right. He did it, the one with Gretzky. He did the one commercial with Gretzky. and Where he came off as a sourpuss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talking about the Zamboni racing yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, they played to his character. He, Typecast. And, and like when Gretzky's watching the, the game while look, watching McDavid practice while looking at his betting app. And McDavid acts distracted by that. They both look like dinks. And it's not like... As we've seen on television, Gretzky oozes personality himself. He's just Wayne Gretzky. His star carries his personality. He looks now like a melting wax figure. A little bit he does, yeah. Kind of like Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, but I, I we, digress. We've talked about that. Yeah, you said he was left in the microwave too long. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, like like a, a Ken doll left in the microwave and you put a, put a wig on him. Or it's just been a really long, cold winter. No question. Longer and colder than most. Um, but yeah, I, I think McDavid has had charisma bypass surgery back when. So, I mean, I'm not surprised he's not a crossover, but it, it goes to show how the NHL can't push stars, too. I'm just stuck on Tom Kiefer. Only Philadelphia rock and roll artist you really like? Or is there another one? There's probably more, but I can't even think of. Um, well, Brett Michaels is from Reading, PA. He grew up in Butler, but he's from Reading. He's, and where was... Uh... Ricky Rocket from. I guess he's from out there, I too, I think right? most of those guys are from there, now that you mentioned it. Most of the Poison guys CC's are from... CC's from Long Island. Right, right. But Bobby the other, Dahl, I don't know where he's right, from. Right, they're from... Cent- I think they're all from Central PA. Okay, all right. Now, um, one final NHL awards note. Chris Letang got the Masterson, which is basically for perseverance, making a comeback, resilience, etc. Because he had his second stroke, his father passed away, he still had a pretty good season. It's a B-list award, but Letang's resilience is amazing, Tim, and... I think this is one time where the guy who gets it and what he's been through actually elevates the award a bit. I would agree with that, and he said it himself. I don't know if it came out exactly the way he wanted it to come out, but essentially was, I've always wanted to be up on this stage and win an award, but not this one because it means something went wrong to get it. And, well, that was, he, and he wanted to get the Norris, too. I'm sure that's what he was and, getting and should at. Have, I don't know if I can ever look at a season where I can say he should have won the Norris. He should have been top three like a bunch of times. And He's I think never he been only top was three once. Once? once? Yep. Did he get invited one time? All right. Uh, what was that 2011, maybe? 2010? I forget. But he, he, he des- but again, en français. There's another thing that plays into it. Correct. Yes. Well, how? what about Bergeron and the Selkie? Why is that? Because he's from Boston? B-list award. But the fact that he's from Boston, does that cancel it out? Total B-list award. You know, it's like the Don... I've always talked about the... The guys who vote for that award, and I don't know who does, but if I voted for that award, you know what my attitude would be? Who cares? Well, the Latang point about the Masterton Trophy... I would have put Berger on fifth. This year, I think some of his numbers may have... No, just to like kind (laughs) of jump on the Seth Rorabaugh bandwagon. (laughs) I think that Latang, when he said, you know, it was a matter of something having to go wrong to win the award... In his case, it was three things, for crying out loud. It was the stroke, the broken foot, and his dad dying, you know, all in the same year. So, yeah, he went through a lot. I I always say when it comes to this matter of sort of French-Canadian versus English-speaking Canadian, uh, American player versus Canadian player, Canadian player versus Scandinavian or Russian, it's the old, what I used to call the Don Cherry flowchart of jingoism. It's like a, a reverse pyramid, you know, it all apexed up to Western Canadian, but then the blocks below it were, okay... Canadian, but French-speaking Canadian. Beneath that was American, but it's okay if they're from Boston, you know, and everything just sort of float up. It's where you were, and then you go down, Swedes below that, Finns below that, Russians below that, Czechs maybe even below that. He just, that's the way it was for him whenever he talked about 
player X hits player See, Y. See, I really like Don, and he's a good guy. I just would have taken him off TV a long time before that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he went, like, I don't mind, like, I thought Roenick was good for hockey. I thought Milbury was good for hockey. Don just went way overboard. Roenick was at least engaging and knew it was about the show and the banter. Well, it's funny, too, because... Milbury, at, a lot of times, just wanted to go on air and be a dink. But that's okay. You look at TNT and TBS with hockey, those guys. All I heard was when TNT and TBS got hockey was we needed Charles Barkley. Well, Roenick and Milbury were the Charles Barkleys, and the hockey community, I mean, not as good, not as likable, but but the hockey communities didn't want that. You see, they think they want a Charles Barkley, but they don't really. And that TNT show, it's like a little bit, you know, folksy, but that's as good as I'll give it. Does it fall into the same tent that you often bring up of bro radio? Is yes. it akin to that? Not not as bro-ish, but yeah. Yeah. They don't know, you know, yeah, Connor, yeah, and, and applaud all the time each other. But yeah, and, and here's what it does fall under. The enemy of the people, Tim, I've said this many times. The enemy of the people are those who think they're funny but aren't. And that falls for the whole cast? Or? Pretty much, yeah. They're not as funny as they think they are. Their hockey jokey inside humor plays a lot more inside than I think they realize. I think they feel like it's more global, but this sort of you know elbow in the ribs, yuck yuck stuff is very and, personal. And biz, biz, biz is like eighty percent really engaging, and twenty percent I'm just trying to get my stuff in. Even like mentioning the podcast and whatnot. No, no, not that. Like no, no shoehorn. Oh, humor. Trying, to, trying to get the trying to get the jokes in. Yeah, the laugh line, the chirp. And sometimes you got to figure out. And I and I hate the slang, by the way. The chirp, the salad, blah blah blah. Well, blah that's blah. what I'm talking about. Like the yeah. inside folksy. Like, we understand what the words mean now, and it's not as funny to us as viewers as it might be to you on the set. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that goes with the TNT basketball show sometimes, too. I think Shaq and Chuck and Ernie are sometimes a little too inside with themselves. Yeah, but they're really good. They, they, they say stuff that people remember and repeat. Nobody on TNT, or for that matter, ESPN, does that. What ESPN should do is fire Messier, fire Chelios, fire P.K. Subban. I think they already did fire Chelios. Did I see that somewhere? I don't know about that. But they should their hockey show should be Bouchergross, Levy, and Linda Cohn. No ex-players, which is what would make it great. Work, can Pierre work in somewhere? Or is he just doing Canadian stuff I would now? work Pierre in somewhere, but I, I don't know. Twitter killed Pierre for that kind of stuff, which is so unfair because he was the best guy on TV. Not one of the best. Twitter killed Pierre for what stuff? We hate Pierre. Like Twitter, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, they thought Pierre came off as "quote unquote" a know-it-all because he's a know-it-all <laughs> because he knows a he lot knows of stuff. just about everything. He does, and sometimes Pierre does throw a lot of stuff together into one sentence, but it's in a lot of cases pertinent. Anybody who thinks anybody on that TNT show or the ESPN show among the ex-players and Liam McHugh too, I think he's way overrated. Anybody who thinks any of those guys are better than Pierre is insane, like absolutely crazy insane. And I think Pierre was really good in the role that he was most often cast in, which was between the benches, sideline, sort of the secondary color commentator. I thought he was great at that because he could segue those relationship stories. Like I always joke about the six degrees of Pierre, how Pierre Maguire can connect any one person in hockey to any other person in hockey in six degrees of separation. He could do that better than anybody. And that's good for that sort of secondary analyst role. You got... You know, Edzo up in the booth doing the hardcore X's and O's, the blue line entry, the puck retrieval, you know. The horse racing. Yeah, sure, of course, the really important stuff. And then you got Pierre for sort of the sidebar stuff. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, Pierre was a weekly guest on my show this year. I thought it was brilliant, and I hope we have him back again next yeah, I year. Had him, I had him in Boston, and I've covered for you a lot on days when he's been on, and it's the easiest 12 minutes of hockey you'll ever do. Because but he, you know what he, he knows how to do, though, Tim? He, for a guy who's a know-it-all, he doesn't drag his answers out. He says a lot. He jams it in there, but he's concise. That's what makes him a great guest and a great TV guy. I was just about to say, that comes from playing that secondary commentator role yep, where yep. you're only going to get... And honestly, being like an assistant coach, too. Yeah. He, he like knows his place, and I don't mean that in the least derogatory. Agreed. And I think that role that he plays during games translates into what you're talking about now, which would be good on set or... And he's, he used to do on-set stuff, too. They bounced yeah, him around. Yeah. So. Tim, uh, we got the NHL draft as we tape this tonight. I don't want to talk about it much, mostly because the guy the Penguins get won't be here for years. That, Probably that's the not, one, like yeah. people. Somebody asked me on my show why the NHL can't make a big deal out of its draft like the NFL does. Well, first off, football, uber hockey, obviously. And second off, there's going to be like two guys maybe from the draft tonight to play in the league next year, whereas in the NFL, you're talking about what the fifth-round pick can add. It's always been that way for baseball and hockey, and it's getting that way for basketball. Yeah. I I can't think of the last basketball draft I've really been into because I don't watch people play in Portugal. And you know why that is too, Tim? (laughs) Depth is a lightly regarded commodity in basketball now. It's all stars. Who yeah, can, you, who can the pile up the 10, most stars? Yeah. Right. The top ten picks matter, and then after that, the first right. rounders are, are used as commodities. You know, swap picks, swap protected picks for contracts. You know, good contracts, bad contracts. You know, they use the, the, the picks themselves as trade ships, whether they've been used in advance or immediately after the draft. Um, I guess they can't do that quite as much as they used to. Remember, like the Chris Webber... Penny Hardaway thing on draft night. They hated that. I think you have to sign the player first now. But the big thing with basketball is you used to watch those guys for three or four years in March Madness. Now you've seen them for a year, maybe, in college basketball. You know, the whole the first 10 picks was what, like two or three college guys? And then it's the guy who played in France. Two guys, who, oh, three guys foot, who played in the G League. Foot, football's the only draft that counts now. Yeah, exactly. The only draft that counts. Uh, now, one thing I do want to talk about is free agency, which starts uh, Saturday. Should the Penguins keep Jari, Zucker, and or Dumo? Dumoulin. Dumoulin, no. Jari, no. I'm a little torn on Zucker, only in the sense that he's going to cost about $5 bucks to keep like he was on the cap for this year. So, do you go out and try to find two... $3 million guys and say close enough. And are those guys I'd love good? to keep Zucker, but but he was hurt a lot the three years before. You know, he was he was healthy this past year. Only missed, I think it was four games, but I don't trust him. And plus, too, he's, what, 31 years old? He's got to get the biggest deal he can get. So I, I think that'll be almost like a mutual agreement type thing where he don't come back. I'd bring Dumo back on a one-year deal at minimum wage. One-year deal at minimum wage? No, I wouldn't. I'm ex- oh, okay. <laughs> I said, except, oh, okay. <laughs> except uh, Sully would too often default to him as Latang's partner. Thing. I think you've got to take the toy away. And plus, I think Dumo will be more value as a two-time cup winner to a team that feels he'd be a good bottom pair guy who's been there and done that. And then the Jari thing, I don't know who they get to play goal. And I know analytics guys like Dubas don't really, you know, they don't analyze goalies quite. Although Dubas was said to not have done well with goalies in Toronto. I disagree. He always got somebody in there at minimum wage that did pretty good, like Samsonov this year. 
It just wasn't the intended guy. Murray was the intended guy. Sometimes it's the second guy that you get, which is part of the reason why goaltending has been minimized like running backs in football. Back to the Zucker point, though. That's He's an example, one of the few examples of where I would like the football cap principles applied more to the NHL. The NHL salary cap, 99 times out of 100, I think it's a better system. It's less easily manipulated. And if you are going to manipulate it, it costs you, i.e. buyouts, as we've talked about before with Granlin. But Zucker would be a great guy to try to get on a shorter-term deal. He ain't going to do that. Right. And you could, like, in advance, parse out the hit on the cap. He's just not going to do that. Right. Give him cash up front, and then you can... Right, parse it out. Like you could do that kind of contract manipulation easier for a mid-range veteran like Zucker, and keep him in a town he wants to stay in. In football, easier than you can in hockey. Zucker always said, you know, he really wants to stay here, and he looks sincere. If I could talk to him off the record and say, A, are you sincere? And B, if you are, why would you want to stay here? What do you see that I'm missing? And he was also allegedly really sincere about never wanting to leave Minnesota. Well, maybe you can go back to Minnesota now where they're in better shape. You know, if, if you were, if you missed being there so much, then go back there. Or like, I mean, he seems to fit in wherever he goes. So see the, the Jari thing doesn't concern me. I, I acknowledge his talent, but he's lost too many big games have been hurt too often here. And, and like, I don't even think you have to go out and get a first day free agent goal. I think like if a guy like Martin Jones, remember who played against the Penguins, in the uh, 2016 final with San Jose, you pop him in there for your you're fine. I heard suggested giving Jari one year at six. Yeah, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. And why would the Penguins do that? Because like the thinking was, the rest of the thought was, do it one year at six or seven, where it might seem like a big number now, but you're not wed to anything beyond this year. And then try to work out a deal in the middle of the season. But the biggest question for Jari is, is he going to be good in the playoffs or not? So having... Is he going to be available in the playoffs or not? Exactly. I, I don't trust Jari on every single level that you can't trust the goalie. I don't trust him even a little bit. And, and anyway, this is probably moot because all the free Penn's free agents, if they were staying, they, they would have been signed by now. To me, a bigger question is, will they extend Gensel, who has one year left on his deal? Because um, trading him, extending him... It needs to be decided because it affects the construction of the rest of your team uh, drastically. If he gets five years, that's theoretically three years beyond Sid's contract. But if we're all assuming that Sid's going to come back beyond the end of this deal, then that probably aligns to when Crosby is going to retire anyway. Uh, That's assuming a lot, but yeah. So my point is... I think it would but be. But why okay. do we have to do everything according to what Sid's comfort level is? They haven't won a playoff series since 2018. Do you think Gensel's a reason for that, though? No, but but I always people always say, well, you're not going to win playoff series by trading your best players. Well, we don't win playoff series anyway. You know, I think change the staleness factor. I look at that deal the Kings made, uh, where they got Dubois from Winnipeg, and they gave up two. Top six forwards who aren't great but can skate and are okay, and a, a promising younger forward too, and a second round pick. If I could get that for Gensel, I'm not saying I would for sure, but I might. And this might tie into your thought about making Sid comfortable. I the only reason I balk at that is because they seem to be pushing a lot of chips still in that direction. So that would be again another. Well, part of the problem is they're too comfortable. 
There's no tension in the room. Oh, we'll be all right. We know what we're doing here. We've won before. Yeah, not a series since 2018. I don't know that subtracting Gensel, though, from Sid makes that better this year. This is, again, the schism of trying to win this year and look ahead to the future. Well, that brings up my next point. I mean, do you think they believe, Dubas, do you think he believes they can still win? Because he said he's not going to trade the first-round pick. He's not acting that way. He said he's not going to you know, uh, buy out Granlin, which would open up 4.1 million cap space right now for this year. And he says he's not going to do that, even though if you believed you could win now, those are exactly the things that a GM would be doing. Yeah, the biggest one is Granlin. I, I get the premise of holding on to the first-round pick. I don't think that necessarily has to equate. Well, no, no. It's because if you if you buy out Granlin, you free up $4.1 million this year, yes. but then there's $1.8 million dead cap for each of the three years after that. I understand, but that is that is obviously a better gain for this year. Getting a first-round pick... Well, that's my point. Yes, I, I, see, the, I think Dubas is going to assemble a team that gives lip service to contending, and then if it's out of the playoff picture at the trade deadline, he's going to start a legitimate rebuilding process. And I still think Gensel carries some cachet there if you don't extend him. like you can Getting Gensel as a rental for another team, I think, is still appealing. So I that's part of the reason why... Oh, no, you you got to sign him or trade him now, I think. You don't think you can still get a haul for Gensel on a rental trade at the deadline? When he might be the most coveted forward available. What if he's hurt? Yeah, he could get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And plus, which too, if you if you make a Gensel decision now, you know you can assemble your roster now accordingly. And I'm not trying to run the guy out of town. I'm just saying. I mean, Tim, the biggest enemy of this team is it's stale AF. Like it's been stale since 2018. Probably 2019 is when the staleness set in, and it gets more stale every year. And the, the locker room thinks they're still. This close. Do you think Gensel's the kind of player that is more adversely affected by age than the average guy because he's not that big and maybe the, the speed diminishes? Not yet. Not yet, no. Because he's a tough one to read for me in that regard, but because hockey intelligence... Would I be and- trepidatious giving him a five-year deal? A little bit, but I'd still do it. I would do it a little bit. And don't get me wrong, Tim. If they sign him, you know, for whatever he'd want, like eight, nine million a year for five years, I don't have a real problem with that either. What's Sid going to do, do you think, for his next contract? It's tough to play the $8.7 million game anymore, If you made me it? predict right now, he's going to retire in two years. I don't think the Penguins are going to be anywhere close to a championship. I think he'll want to finish his career as a Penguin, but not be part of a rebuild. You're one of the few that's going down that path. I, every time I even bring up the prospect of him going elsewhere, not getting another contract to stay in Pittsburgh beyond, the, I'm just making it up out of thin air. Right. I don't think I am making it up out of thin air. I think if he absolutely positively knew that he'd be back here for three more years after this contract is done, there would have been a little bit more public acknowledgement of that by him. So you think he's going to be back? No, I th- I'm leaning to the belief that he's going to be back, but I think it's worthy of talking about until he makes us not talk about it anymore. Here, here are the three possibilities. A, he retires. B, he comes back. C, he goes somewhere else. Those are in descending order of the likelihood, to my mind, but all are possible. Yes, I think so. See, I think going to play with his buddy Nate in Colorado, I think they're fading now. I think by the time he gets out of here, they're not going to be a nailed-on contender anymore. I think they are heading in the territory that the Penguins were in 2010. And earlier. I mean, because of the Landis Cog injury, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and they don't have the rock and goal like the Penguins had with Flurry. Um, I don't think they have quite the depth of playmakers as the Penguins of the... Well, that, that might not be fair, but... Um, 
Yeah, I just I, I I think because of the cap and the way it is now, everybody knows how it's structured a little bit better. I think that might actually quickly make them descend. If you could get one free agent forward, you know that's that's on the list. Like I liked Halla, he signed again with New Jersey. I liked Anathashu. He signed again with Chicago. Who's out there that you like that you think's realistic? Well, the newest guy that's kind of cropped up, and I can't remember if this is going to be a trade. What about Duclair? Here's now, the thing. Too much money. He'll too- get too much money. Oh, is he a free agent or up for trade? I think he's up for trade. He's up for trade. Well, I mean, Dubas, I think, is going to swing a big trade. But I'm talking about Tonight? the free— um, I don't know. I hope not, because then this podcast would be outdated. <laughs> um, like, the the you know, I thought about Max Domi— but like father, like son, he's a lot of showbiz too. Mm-hmm. But he's good though. He's feisty, but he's not big. Uh, Oscar Sundquist, ex Penguin. Oh, he'd be a really good fourth line center. Like that's that feels to me like a fourth line center that can actually. Because Carter's going to play wing. He has to play. He wing. He can't play center in their system if they don't adjust their system, which we know they won't. Finally, Tim, it's worth noting. Rossi reported this. It's not been widely talked about though. Dubas got a seven year deal. $5 million a year, and, you know, he has use of the corporate jet. Is that right? Do you think he would subcontract that corporate jet used to me so I could, like, just go to and from Liverpool a couple times? <laughs> well, he was a fan of you during the, your wrestling days, isn't that right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. We haven't talked, you know, off the record since he got here, but yeah. Um, but he got a seven-year deal. Is he a Liverpool fan? No, no, he's a wrestling fan. Okay, no, I just, I, I know because there's the FSG. No, I just connection. want the jet. I don't care if he goes. <laughs> well, you could probably get that from... Tom Warner as it is. You don't have to go through Dubas. I don't think Tom Warner has any idea who I am. Um, so anyway, Dubas, seven years. This is his team now. The length of that deal made this his team, even more than Sid, more than Sullivan, too. How long is Sullivan's deal now? I want to say through 27. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so he's on the hook for longer. And uh, I, the other thing about him is Dubas I'm talking about. It's not automatic that he gets a job right away. Like he's going to make some of that money from the Penguins for a year or two after being fired. If he is, uh, I think he's like gonna there's be, not going to be off. There's not going to be offset by another team. I think he's going to be great here. I really do. I I think he has one of the most up to date hockey minds, but still has just enough old school in him. I think he's going to do great here. Uh, you know, it's it's thought among the Penguins organization now that I hate Sullivan. I've heard you say that. Yeah. Why would anybody conclude that? All I want is the plan B and sit on the right half wall for the power play. Because you question things that he feels are staples of the team that just can't be changed, and you're willing to do that. Well, let me tell you one thing to wrap up, okay? I thought about this one a lot. They haven't had a point man. And when I say point man, I don't mean the guy up top because it doesn't always work that way on the power play. Uh, like Kessel was the point man. You know, because he he reorganized, was a reset point, distributed the puck from the left half wall. Mario did that, right? Gonch was more traditional up top. Yager did it on the right half wall. Well, since we have nobody up top, Sid needs to do that job from the right half wall. But that puts Gino someplace where he would prefer not to be. And God knows Gino can never have an uncomfortable moment because we need to make sure he feels equal to Sid, even though the Suns never come up on that day, Tim. So if Sid isn't on the right half wall, I'm right. I'll beat it to death all year. That's why the Penguins have to draft Mr. Brownstone, Axel, from Sweden. He won't be here for years, Tim. <laughs> why? Could he play up top? Yeah, he's a point guy. Yeah. Yeah, he ain't. You know You know what I'm amazed by? Let's let's wrap it up on this. We, we know like only two or three players, if that, you know, get to the NHL 
right out of the draft, right? Yeah, it might just be Bedard. Why don't more teams gamble and and, and try it? I would. I would. Especially, Tim, in a league that's been diluted by the flat cap. What would make you think that that somebody like you pick 10th couldn't fit in this diluted league? The other thing about it, too, is the training is so much better on the junior and college levels now, too, that they're they're much more ready physically. Maybe not the guy the Penguins drafted last year. He's still got about another twenty or thirty pounds that he can put on, but uh, Pickering, I'm talking about. So, so does Pedersen. He could add. Well, a there few. you go. And, so, and he's been playing in the league for how long? Now? Matt Murray. Matt Murray. There's no. Well, maybe that's a bad example because he kept breaking down. But I think that's you know when you see all these like there's the one guy. Um, I, I always said with Matt Murray, like when they want him to gain weight, mm-hmm. I said we should go out to every meal together, and I eat what he orders, and he eats what I order. <laughs> Well, I think it's Matthew Wood, the guy from UConn that a lot of people are mocking to the Penguins. Like, oh, he's Matthew Nyes. Oh, he's Matthew Nyes. All right, well, they put Matthew Nyes in the playoffs last year. Then maybe Matthew Wood should be able to play quickly. If you can see that comparison already, then make everybody's like, oh, he's just like the guy who came from UConn before, Tage Thompson. Well, Tage Thompson's pretty good. Then have this guy start and start quick then. We've got on way too long. That wraps it up. Bet Rivers Podcast Network, bet now from anywhere. Tim and I are doing another one of these tomorrow. And I think we'll talk exclusively about baseball then because we never got past hockey today. Yeah, we'll talk about guys that don't want to come in the draft to the Pirates. Bet on hockey now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.